Hey everybody, Merry Christmas. It's time for Too Many Podcasts, and judging by the music in the background, you can tell this is, I guess, what we can call our Christmas show. My name is Jim, the Podcast Sherpa, just in case you're tuning in for the first time. And there are plenty of episodes for you to check out to get to know the show a little bit better. Today's going to be a little bit unusual in that our guest doesn't have a podcast, but she has appeared on several podcasts as a guest. But she's got a really interesting story, and I thought it was great to launch it for Christmas because it's a good example of how to turn your life around. And we need that kind of inspiring story for the holidays just to remind us that there is good in the world and we have the power to do good ourselves. Before we get into the story, just wanted to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible, where you can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com Sherpa. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. So let's head on down to the replay room in the Sherpa Chalet, and we'll check out my interview with a lady named Kat McLeod. I think the interview will tell you all you need to know about her, and it was a real pleasure interviewing her, too. Let's check it out. Those of you who've been listening to my show know that I like a good story. So this lady posted some information on herself, and I said, this is the person that I want to talk to. Her story starts with, I used to be a dominatrix. But wait, it just gets much more better than that. And it's a really fascinating story. And it's something that will definitely inspire you and bring a little sunshine into your day. And here she is right now. Ladies and gentlemen, say hello to Mrs. Kat McLeod. Hello, podcast listeners. Like you said, I am on the opposite side of the country and I am in sunny Southern California where it has been 80 degrees all weekend and Monday and I think winter has finally hit us because it's supposed to have the first rain in I believe six or seven months tomorrow. You were in a safe area, no fire issues or anything like that, right? Oh, no. I mean, we could smell it in the air. And unfortunately, this is part of living in Southern California where it does feel like every other year or it's even gotten more than that. There is a fire. Stay safe. And if if a fire alarm goes off in the middle of the interview, just hold up your finger and run. All right. So, Kat, uh, let's get to know a little bit about you before we kind of get into your story. Would that be okay? Sure. I am a mom of a one son, and he's turning seven in December. So depending on what this is, I've been married for almost a decade. I have a very, very close marriage. I live in a beach community with a, I live in my beach home. I paid the $450,000 cash down payment for this home because when I married my husband almost a decade ago, I had 10 times more money than he did. (laughs) And he is a high earner now. He does really great and still a source of pride that I did come into the marriage with more money. And I've been pinpointing people's perfect business ideas for 13 years. And Jim and I are going to get into how I developed this profit and purpose framework because it is an interesting story. It's definitely one of the more unique stories that I've heard so far in the time that I've been doing the podcasts. Now, well, I guess we have to kind of address the elephant in the room, if you don't mind me saying it that way. How did you first get started as a dominatrix? I grew up in a really abusive household, and it felt really unstable. I feared for my life. To make 
a long story short, that was one of the reasons I was interested in becoming a dominatrix. When I was in college, I started stripping just to get more money and it allowed me the financial freedom to move away from that abusive home and have the fearlessness to move to Los Angeles. When I moved to LA, I found out that the strip clubs were much more high touch here. There's lap dancing here. I wasn't comfortable with that because I don't I don't want to be manhandled after I grew up in such an abusive household. And even if I didn't, doesn't mean that I would want to be manhandled at all. So I answered an ad to be a dominatrix. It said no massage, no touch, no sex. It sounded really interesting and it really was fun. I was trained by somebody. She hired me and it was really fun. It was totally different. I was 21, turning 22 at the time, and it was something completely different felt wild and it helped me turn the tides on the abuse that I had suffered from when I was a child. It made me feel more powerful and in control. However, I grew really tired of it after about like six to nine months. It wasn't my thing. I'm not into it. I'm not into like that whole world. There's nothing wrong with it. Like that whole shades of gray thing. Like if that's your, like if you're into it, whatever, great. It's just not something I'm into. So I decided to only do what I most enjoyed as part of my dominatrix practice, but it was only like five to 10% of it. And I thought, okay, I'll just have to get a, a job for the first time. I mean, I was 22 years old, I think, or 20, turning about 23 at the time. And instead, my business blew up. So that's how I found out the riches really are in the niches. I owned a multiple six-figure business at the age of it was either 22 or 23. And I owned that business for about five years, allowing me to buy my first home at the age of 23 in very expensive Southern California. And again, at first I really enjoyed it. It felt amazing to make so much money doing such easy work. I was into it. I liked owning my own business. I liked creating my own rules, yet I didn't feel purposeful it did not feel pleasurable. After about six to nine months, I started hating it. Yet I kept doing it for over four more years. I would quit over and over again and go back because the lure of the money was so high. It was really, really hard to leave. I made multiple, multiple hundreds of dollars an hour doing really easy work. I mean, like physically easy is just mentally tolling. I kept it secret. I kept it secret for a really long time. So I, it was, I felt shameful about it. And it was a really bad place to feel. And I felt like I was wasting my life doing it. I will say that if you're into that stuff, it's probably a great job. If you're truly into BDSM, like personally, it's not a bad place to be. It just wasn't right for me. So I'll, I'll clarify that. So I decided to quit finally. It took me five years to really quit. I added in, I did a lot of therapy during this time. I had a raging eating disorder. Like I had a lot of stuff going on that I had to work out. And I actually got hired by one of my long-term clients. One of my clients of five years loved how I ran this mini empire and hired me into his corporate gig. It was my first and only regular job of my entire adult life. And I actually did really well in corporate. I excelled. Having been my own business owner, I could run that part of the division of his company autonomously with ease. And I grew it up and it's still successful to this day. However, I did not like having an office 
working hours, a boss, my being micromanaged in any way. I didn't like it. It's just not me. I decided to quit and go back to go to graduate school and get my master's in psychology. As my second year graduate school project, I chose to help women transition out of the sex industry. I knew exactly how hard it is to transition out and stay out. These women were used to making hundreds, if not thousands of dollars an hour and transitioning into quote unquote normal jobs just wasn't going to cut it. That's why they would keep going back just like I did a couple years prior. And that's how I really learned to focus on high profit, to take their existing skills, gifts, talents, and and, and niche it down super tight. Again, I told you I was not afraid of niching down because I had learned years earlier that you can actually make more money doing that way. And I helped them start high profit businesses. And no, it wasn't always successful. Remember, I I didn't get paid during this year. I was I had never been a business coach. It helped me refine this framework and it was successful to over a handful of women. When I got my master's in psychology, I then became a certified coach and I opened up my practice to men and women, not only in the sex industry. I opened up to all different industries and that's how I officially became a business coach. However, I still use that profit and purpose framework that I developed 13 years ago. It's been further, further refined with over a decade of experience to really go after of what's going to make a viable business that's profitable, purposeful, and pleasurable. Because I believe all three are essential elements to a business. If you just go after profit, then you're going to feel like me doing work you hate, feeling overworked, burned out, not on purpose. That's not a way to start a business. Really, when you got started on your own, you really kind of stepped into a whole different world with the uh, dominatrix business and you know, stripping. And you, know, you put, there was probably a little bit of danger in there as well, I would imagine. I guess I was used to danger. I grew up in a home where I felt in danger. So it did not, I did not feel in danger at any of that time period. I had a full-time assistant slash bodyguard when I ran my own business. So I, I understand what you're saying, that element. And of course, the one time I felt like there was a possibility of danger, he wasn't there. I mean, he was consistently there to protect me. And the only client where I felt like was almost crossing the line with me, I luckily bluffed that he was there Okay. in the other room, armed. Yeah. Oh. And that got things under control. I don't really know much about that that kind of business, so you know, I apologize. <laughs> Sound a little ignorant. Was it kind of like the stereotype that people imagine, where you have to kind of show up in leather, and or it was just like you were there and you did a service? Yeah, that that really is actually just more of a movie stereotype. I I'm, I'm going to guess some people are heavily into that. So here's the interesting thing with like the dominatrix business, it was so little part of what people actually wanted. Okay. And then when I transitioned to my fetish business, the reason it exploded is because those people had a fetish but they did not want the BDSM part. They did not want to be dominated. Okay. They didn't, there was no leathers, whips, and chains in my fetish business at all. It was completely the opposite. It was way more like 
luxurious <laughs> and pampering and people would bring me flowers and gifts. It was completely different. But I think what you're asking is the dominatrix world, like what you see in movies and stuff, not mine. I think that that does go that does go on, and I do know of some hardcore people into that, and they really do have like true dungeons. But that was never part of my world. When you went to school to get your master's in psychology, I, I find that an interesting choice. Like I said, coming from that world too, you know, you probably had a different look of how people operated and with fantasy and. You know, you were kind of maybe like wondering about how the human mind operates. Well, I've always been interested in psychology since high school. I got my undergraduate in psychology also. I really think it had to do with me working out all my screwed upness from having an abusive father. When you were working with the uh, sex workers, like you said, they were attracted to the money, but not the real idea of fulfillment. And where you were kind of getting yourself to that point where you knew that there was something better for you and you were moving on, but it was harder for them. I mean, how did you kind of get them to see the light? Okay, so there, I'm glad that you asked that so we could clarify that. The sex workers that I worked with, they wanted to transition out. They okay. had already mainly tried numerous times on their own before they ever started working with me. It was not like me trying to recruit people out and being like some evangelist about it. They wanted help to transition out. And that's the only way to help someone. They have to want it out and just need some support. And I guess a lot of it too has to do with maybe like self-esteem issues as well, mm -hmm. getting into, you know, being in that industry. Definitely. That's why my bigger legacy for my life, even though I live a dream life, I mean, we're wealthy. I have a great family. We're very close. My bigger legacy is to really ingrain on people, mainly women, who are where I was 20 years ago. Maybe they are in the sex industry. Maybe they are drug users or just getting off of drug users. Maybe they're leaving an abusive relationship and they feel hopeless. They don't know what they can do to give them hope that they you really can take control of your life. And it's messy. It's sloppy. It takes one step after another. There's a lot of failure along the way. That's why I point out that I failed many, many, many multiple times before I actually transitioned out and did lots and lots and lots of therapy and had eating disorders and was just straight up screwed up at points because here I am 10 years living a mega dream life. And so I just want to encourage anyone who is where I was once at. I mean, I'm living proof of it. You really can take that proverbial first step and just keep on stepping and you can get to the life that you want. You can get to a better life for sure. And it's amazing that for all that you went through, especially you know, when you learn to create your own business and learn to do things your way, that even you know, there may have been negative things out of the initial stuff that you like, but you were able to take out the good stuff and morph into what you want. It's true because for the shame I felt in that fetish business. And I really did keep it secret for a long time. I mean, I learned so much. I was an amazing entrepreneur. Um, I, I hit it out of the ballpark the first time up to bat, you know, and I learned how to run a business. I learned internet marketing. I knew uh, I did online marketing 20 years ago for that business. And I 
my main strength from that business is I really understood that you can really niche down and grow rich. Now, we should explain that Kat really is out of that business now, that a lot of her focus now is she's a stay-at-home mom. She has a seven-year-old who's in first grade, and she works with other moms to help them fulfill their potential as well. That's right. For the last five plus years, I've mainly worked with pampered stay-at-home moms. However, a lot of my online moms are corporate moms that want to stay at home. And that has been a huge part of my business because they want that pampered lifestyle and they want to have control of their schedule and they want their own independent income, purposeful work, and be able to stay mom first. So that's who I have been working with mainly, and my I still use my superpower of nailing people's right ideas, pinpointing that perfect business idea for them that I that I learned 13 years ago. So, what kind of tools do you use to draw something out of your clients to find their right talent? I have a different method. I actually break down. So, with my method, you don't need to learn any new skills. I, I take what you have and I. I used to do it all in my brain. I finally did (laughs) break it down through doing multiple group programs and and figuring out what I was doing in my brain because people were asking me and I had to work one-on-one with people because I just didn't know what my human calculator of a brain was doing. But the main thing is I take your audience, like who you have access to, your current skills. And I'm just so good at making money. I can just connect the dots to see what is going to bring you the most profit. That's that's my biggest gift. So that part's still in my brain. I'm currently working on niching that down even more or like bringing it onto a program even more to help people on their own, figure it out so that I can scale people pinpointing their perfect business idea. Yeah. You know, and kind of underlying all of this, what you do, there's definitely a lot of female empowerment going on here, especially you being a lady and a mom and you're working with other moms and you showing them there's more to life than what you think there is. And and let's take another step and, and try this. Let's go out and do something new. I'm all about female empowerment and just taking control of your life and owning your life. I'm, I I really like that. As a matter of fact, right now I'm paired with another former dominatrix that we met through a podcast interviewer actually hooked us up. We hit it off and we are actually doing a joint program together called pinpoint your badass niche. Cause we're both former dominatrixes and we just are owning that. And you better believe that there is some power going on in that group. <laughs> your son is seven and i can imagine you know as he grows up he's probably gonna learn a lot of lessons about treating women correctly yes his father is extremely respectful and is already like it doesn't even need to be from me my husband has been teaching him to be respectful from a very young age well, that's that's always a plus. That's a that's a great thing for a young kid to grow up with too. Mm-hmm. That definitely gets their foot in the door in more ways than they expect. Yeah, I I really do appreciate it, and he's extremely polite. I know that when my mother in law was here and she took him out to the farmers market, very popular here in Southern California, uh, she was so proud because people were commenting on how polite he was even at a young age because he always says excuse me and thank you. Well, almost always. 
always. I shouldn't say always. Doing all this, I mean, you've, you've taken on a, a lot in this, in almost like a brief ex- expanse of time here. How do you keep yourself mentally fit? Well, I have my master's in psychology. I have a lot of tools from that. And I am a very open person at this point. I talked, I have a great marriage. I have a great marriage and a great best friend and I let myself feel the feelings. So I think one of my biggest strengths is I do not hold things inside. And I think that's when it starts to eat away at you. For instance, I found out my best friend was, I didn't, she told me that she was moving to New Jersey because of a business opportunity for her husband. And I did not hold that stuff inside. I was rollerblading with her on the strand you know, looking at the ocean, I just let myself burst into tears while we were rollerblading together. I think that there's huge strength in being able to feel your feelings and I don't try to hold them down any longer. Let's play a little game here. I wonder if you could kind of compare your life today and the person that you are now to the person that you were way back when, when your story really started. They're, they're obviously, they just feel like completely different people. I could not have imagined in my early 20s and before that I would ever feel this happy, that I would have such a good life. I wanted a good life. I just didn't understand that I could have a life without struggle and abuse and like have a really strong marriage and feel really good most of the time, like really joyful. I, 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 I have right now, I have more than I ever expected for myself and I always wanted a lot for myself. You know what? I think what happens with a lot of people is sometimes they feel that they don't deserve it, but everybody deserves that happiness. Yeah, you do deserve it. That's part of the legacy where it doesn't matter what you did in the past. I could beat myself up for some of the things that I did or, and and I did, I did do that. So I just want to be clear that I did do that. But now that I'm looking backwards, I'm now 42. So I was 22 when I did that. I I kept it really secret for a long time. I was really embarrassed and shameful. And now I look back and go, oh, I did the best I could back then. And I will be honest that when I shared my story for the first time, I was really scared. I felt petrified that I would be seriously ousted from my community. I live in an upscale community with, I I live in an upscale, I would say, semi-conservative. It's still Southern California. We're not conservative here, you know? <laughs> I, 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 I thought the first time a podcast aired a big one with my story in it, I really imagined that the moms were ousting me and, and going to and block me out and we were going to move. I'm just sharing this because it's like, it's not like it comes easily all the time. And I chose to do it anyways. What advice would you give to people who maybe have had some sort of life situations that may have been similar to yours about moving forward? What would you think the number one thing that they should keep in mind is? The number one thing is to decide on success, whatever that success looks like for you to decide on it, to stop wishing, wanting, hoping for some change or something to change. No, decide on the change. Decide that you're going to make it happen. And from that decision, that that knowing in your being, that's when that consistent action will take place. And that's how you change your life. Do you offer certain courses online? Do you want to talk a little bit about those? I do offer a course on pinpointing your perfect business or pinpointing your badass niche, whatever way you want to look at it. And that is exactly what it sounds like. It's to make sure that the business you start is high profit, 
high purpose, and high pleasure. Again, I believe all three are an an essential part of a successful business. How can people get in touch with you if they want to get involved with this? You can find me at sahmentrepreneur.com. That's short for stay-at-home mom entrepreneur. Again, that's sahmentrepreneur.com. You know, I was looking at that and it took me like five minutes to figure out that that it stood for stay-at-home mom. I was like, I got it. (laughs) Oh, well, that makes complete sense because you're not a stay-at-home mom. So why would you ever be writing that? Do you know what I mean? Like, there's no doubt with that because like that wouldn't even, why would you ever write that? (laughs) (laughs) I'll keep that in mind. Hey, if ever I need a screen name so I don't want want anyone to know me, there we go, S-A-H-M. But I'll I'll, I'll make it like Sammy or something like that. It says (laughs) S-A-H-M-M-Y. I have no idea what it'll stand for, but hey, that'll work. Again, her name is Kat McLeod. She doesn't have a podcast right now, but we were talking earlier. I wish she would have one because I think people would just be fascinated in what she has to say. I really appreciate you taking the time and making this interview so worthwhile. It's been a pleasure being here. Thanks again to Kat McLeod for swinging by and telling us her story. I found it really nice and really inspirational. Definitely very powerful story for the holidays. And it's nice to know that she's got a happy outcome for all that she's been through in her life. You know, when we were speaking on video, it was plain to see that she was very happy in a beautiful home. And she was waiting for her husband to come home and she was happy with her son. So she really found a way to make a good life for herself. Congratulations to you, Kat. Next week, it's New Year's. So what do you want to do in New Year's? You want to get organized for 2020, right? Well, I can help you there because our guest is a lady named Kathy McEwen who hosts a podcast called Organize for Success. And she swung by the Sherpa Chalet before the holidays. And we talked about getting organized and what you need to do. And it's not really that hard. And she was just a great help and a wonderful guest. So I hope you will be tuning in next week. And in the meantime, keep in mind, in 2020, we will also be launching The Expert Factory. We've got one little episode out so far. And there's some holiday music out on Spotify. The Happy Sherpa Holidays playlist. If you go and check that out, you can hear a ton of... Christmas and Hanukkah music just for you from me. So in the meantime, I'd like to leave you with a Celtic blessing. May you have walls for the wind and a roof for the rain and drinks beside the fire, laughter to cheer you and those you love near you and all that your heart may desire. See you next week, folks. Merry Christmas if you're celebrating. If you're not, just enjoy the day. Viva la Sharpalution.